Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Game Changers, where we talk to some of your favorite sports personalities and fantasy sports personalities who have had a major impact on their industries and discuss their journeys and how they got to where they are. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. All right, our guest today is the holder of the very important title of a guy who has appeared as a guest on the most episodes of the Fantasy Pros Baseball and Football Podcast, but who somehow I never talked to before like eight seconds ago. Uh, he's the author and creator of the best-selling Fantasy Black Book series. He hosts several podcasts and television shows. He's a flex expert league champion. He's the great Joe Pizzapia. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. Joe, how is it going today? Well, that was a lovely intro, Dan. I got to tell I, you. I, you understand, right? Like, I, I kind of, you know, I, 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 you know, sweet talk the guests a little bit to get I them know. in the right mood. And then I, I drop the hammer on you know, them. Right I, I'm expecting the hammer. I'll be ready for it whenever it happens. And uh, I did not realize I had a record there. Uh, so do I get like oh, a yeah. set of steak knives for most appearances or like, what, what do I get? Do I get something I, I out of I feel like just the honor of, of coming on. Oh, is, uh, just the honor. This is your reward, actually. Oh, Game changers. Quality time Con- with you. Congratulations. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to our show. Well, thank uh, you, man. I appreciate that. And, you know, people might not believe this, but uh, this was on the books for this date to record for like two weeks because our schedules are so hectic. It's just been... Uh, you know, kind of a crazy confluence of, of moments and things like that that we're yeah. all here particularly today. But you know what? I think that's uh, but that's probably a good thing in retrospect. Yeah, let's let's talk about today. Let, let's let's talk about it at the outside. Yes, first of all, if you're wondering, there's been a couple of week delay uh, in in since the last episode. One was Joe and I were trying to obviously schedule this, and I really wanted to have Joe on. Um, second, I've just been dealing with you know various fantasy duties as the editor in chief. But we are recording this right now on a Saturday morning. Uh, it's Probably not going to drop until next week, but it is Saturday. Uh, yesterday was Friday, obviously. Uh, Friday, <laughs> August 6th. This is Game Changers. Uh, it's a Fantasy Pros podcast. Until yesterday, Bobby Sylvester was one of the Fantasy Pros podcast hosts. He is no longer, nor does he have any association with the company. I'm not going to get into too much detail on it. If you have Twitter, if you follow me or tags or Fantasy Pros, then you really know what uh, went down yesterday. Suffice to say that uh, Bobby's conduct uh, just fell below the standards of basic human decency, let alone that which would be deemed acceptable to fantasy pros or any company at all. I bring it up here at the outset really for two reasons. The first is because it needs to be brought up loudly every single time it happens without exception. I had Liz Loza on several weeks ago. She talked about her journey and how certain major organizations basically respond to her applications with, you know, you're great. We just don't think people want to take fantasy advice from a woman. And I was pretty shocked at that and disgusted. And then I learned that a person I had worked with and joked with and swapped stories about our families with had sent harassing messages to women. I don't know what's wrong with a lot of people or how anyone thinks it's okay or how you work with someone and think that they are one person and they turn out to totally be another. But when this sort of thing happens and when you learn about it, you better use whatever platform you have to address it. So this is the first podcast that I have done um, since Friday, obviously, and I wanted to make sure I address the situation up front. Keep yourself and others accountable in this area. The second reason I want to bring it up is because Joe, uh, to my great chagrin, is not a Fantasy Pros employee, um, but he, <laughs> he did. Uh, he obviously appeared with uh, a podcast with Bobby many times. He, you know, had pro- a professional interaction with Bobby uh, with regard to the Black Book, and obviously it affected him. So, Joe, you know, if, 
If you want to say anything about this, please, uh, floor is yours, and then we can get into the fun of the show. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and definitely the fun um, will ensue at some point in time, and, and I'm sure it will. But I think that was incredibly well said, Dan. I really do. I think you hit every note properly in this. And uh, once again, I, I do not work for Fantasy Pros, no matter what people may think, no matter how many <laughs> times I've been on these shows. Uh, I just like coming on and, and talking football and baseball. But uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I will not speak for Fantasy Pros because I do not represent them as an organization. I'm just here as a guest. But I represent Blackbook. And even though it was a very small contribution, just part of the roundtable uh, panel where Mike Taglier is, is part of it and all of my writers are part of it. Um, yesterday afternoon, I, I just I saw what was going on. And it was a, a pretty easy call for me, I know, because, um, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, you know, I hate this thing where people say, like, well, I'm a father and I've got two daughters. And how would I feel? How about let's just how we feel about as human beings? Let's say, like, how do we treat each other as human beings? And yeah, it's it's frustrating for all the dads out there to think that their daughters are going to have to deal with this. And I, I see that narrative out there a lot. But then I want to go past that narrative because that narrative is true and, and hurtful and, and worrisome. But on top of that, I think there's just a, a basic decency of human beings, too. And where we are with all that. And, and it should offend us on a human level, first and foremost, and then, you know, further down the trough. And I think you're absolutely right in the way you address it and saying that, it's, it's important to talk about it. And we almost didn't do this show. And then I said, you know what, Dan, if you want to do it, I'll, I'll do it with you. Um, you know, well, let's let's keep going because maybe the best thing is to, as you kind of alluded to, talk about it. And uh, I, I know how hard the people who, you know, I try to give a lot of voices to some great independent minds out there in the fantasy community for baseball, for football, for NBA, for hockey. And, um, you know, I'm so proud of them and proud to have them as part of that Black Book team. And how can I look at them and, and say, this is okay? How can I, how can I look at them? And how can I look at, you know, at Kate Magic, who's, uh, you know, our first female writer of the Black Book? And, and how could I look at her and, you know, be, you know, consider her to be proud to have her name associated in that same description of, of people? And I can't change the books that have already been sold, but I can certainly make a change here. And it's going to get updated through the weekend. And, and, you know, I told her before I told anybody else, I said, I just want you to know, um, I'm going to take care of this first and foremost, just because it's, it's the right thing to do. And, you know, everybody has difficult moments in their life. God knows I have, and everybody I'm sure has their own personal struggles that they deal with. And sometimes everybody goes off the rails, but I think there's a certain level to where you put a company or a brand in a bad spot. It's one thing when you do something on your own. And then I think it's another thing when you do something on your own with the backdrop of a company or a brand you represent. And I thought that to me, that was very telling in that moment. And it immediately made me think, well, <clears throat> if he's going to do it with this brand, then I can't have my brand associated in that same breath at any given time. And I will not take that chance just because it's the right thing to do, period, as a human. Again, uh, that's it's simple. And I, and I, you know, I know it was a very difficult day for all of you guys. I'm sure it was beyond difficult. And, um, and it's also people don't understand, you know, we're all professionals. Everybody's here and, you know, working with each other. But, you know, not a lot of people spend a lot of time with each other in privacy. A lot of people know each other, you know, and it's a very weird business like that. People live in different places. They do shows together. They have camaraderie, but it doesn't mean they have necessary personal connections. So although you connect these people personally in your mind, it's not quite as um, as connected as you might think sometimes, personally. So you cannot know what's going on. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at this and then we'll wrap it up too real quick because maybe we've gone too long. I, I tweeted two things yesterday. Well, well, I tweeted one thing and then another thing that really hit me home here, which is I think that we all, anyone who listens to us, watches us, reads our work, 
It's a privilege. And I, and I mean that. It is a privilege. Now, it's our responsibility to do good work worthy of listening and watching and reading. But moreover, it's, it's a privilege that people take a shot on you and come back for more and never lose sight of, of that. And um, I don't like cancel culture stuff, but at the same time, I, I, there is responsibility. And I hope that he can figure things out. And I told him yesterday, I hope you can be a better father and role model going forward, no matter what the repercussions of today are. And I mean that genuinely. You know, I, I, you know, I hope he will figure it out and work again somewhere eventually. And more importantly, be a better role model, because what we don't realize all the time is that, you know, what we do now, it lives on the Internet. OK, what every show that I've done, every word that comes out of my mouth, every podcast I've done, every radio show, TV show. And there have been a lot. In fact, just this week, Dan, I feel like I'm so sick of hearing my own voice. I can't even fathom. Right. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. There's a legacy we leave behind. And the legacy is your kids can go on and Google search you and see all these things about you. And it's kind of our choice. It's not like they have to go to the library and find the little microfilm like you had to do in the 90s when you're doing a research paper, trying to figure stuff out, you know, and like find out who somebody was. No, no, that that day is gone. This is a new era. And you have to seriously think about what is that legacy that you want to leave behind where your kids, your grandkids can look at you and say, oh, look, there's my dad talking about football. Or, there's my dad talking about wrestling or there's my dad doing a, a funny bit on the TV show and stuff like that. And, you know, you want to leave a, a, a better legacy, no matter how small it is, you have to understand that it's going to be basically permanent on the Internet to a certain extent. So that's my two cents. Uh, I hope uh, I hope it makes sense for uh, for people out there. So. Uh, that's it, Dan. I guess now yeah. we can start to the fun, of, unless you have anything else to comment on. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing I, I want to comment on is the fact that uh, I still put all my articles on microfilm and make my kids look <laughs> that way. Uh, just for that. No, I obviously I echo what you said. Um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, I, I want to make sure we address it. You and I talked about it uh, before the show started, um, obviously. And again, I, I'm really glad I, I had basically said, given everything that's going on, maybe we should postpone again um, th this podcast. And you sort of said, no, let we should do it. We should do it. And it will be good for, for I think I think your reason is is the best one that you mentioned at the top, which we really even like discuss. But it's important to talk about it, you know, yeah. and it's important to remind everybody that there is a culture out there. And I have so many, you know, I have so many different readers. I have gay readers, straight readers, gay writers, straight writers. I have, you know, I have so many female listeners and female readers. And, and I just there's a responsibility for all of us as a community to hold each other accountable, like you said. And be better as, as much as we can. And, you know, Twitter can be a crazy space sometimes. I get that. You know, it, Twitter can also be a great space. I've met some fantastic people that I've ended up having great conversations with and I ended up doing leagues with, ended up knowing them personally, ended up like five, six years later, like we, we are like friends. And, and it's a crazy thing. But at the same time, um, you know, as difficult as yesterday was, uh, I think it's a learning experience for everyone out there, everyone on every level of stuff. And it's just, once again, this is... This is a privilege here. Dan and I have a privilege to do a show like this. It's It beats the hell out of working for a living. I can tell you that because I've worked for a living and I know Dan has too. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just lucky and, and grateful enough. And I know Dan's the kind of guy that puts in the work too. So, you know, we're lucky to be here and we should remember that and we should, uh, you know, be grateful for it. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, let's look. We have a we have a show to do. So let's let's get into it. Like I said, this is uh, the first time I have been on a podcast with you. Spoiler alert. It is almost certainly not going to be the last. Um, 
I know. I know. No, no, you don't tell how the show goes, Dan. You know, don't be presumptuous. You know, I might answer one of those dumb questions wrong later. And, you you know, you tell me my favorite color is something else. And then next thing you know, we're in a fight, you know. All right. You already (laughs) called my questions dumb. So you're you're, you're behind uh, the eight ball. Well, it's been fun, guys. All right. right. Thank you for coming to Game Changers. We'll see you next week. Okay. Um, I know two things about you, Joe. You are hilarious, obviously, as demonstrated (laughs) moments ago. Um, And uh, you're a Mets and a Patriots fan? I am. Apparently, I, am I, I don't understand how that happens. I'll explain Other, it to you. All right, good. Well, look, that's that's a lot of times where I like to sort of talk about is is sports and like how you got into sports and how you love sports and how in the world you end up as a Mets and Patriots fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, I grew up in the 80s in Brooklyn in a very Italian neighborhood, as one can imagine. Actually, you know what? As Italian as they were, my school itself was very mixed and and great. And, you know, my, my friends with like the United Nations, man, I was very lucky. And, uh, but, you know, I grew up in that, you know, Brooklyn Italian, you know, hey, how you doing kind of environment. And I can tell you, I can tell you a lot of stories about, you know, <laughs> growing up in that environment for sure, uh, especially around some people who are in construction, if you know what I mean. Not in my family, per se. You know I was a lawyer, right, before yeah, this? I do. So uh, just hey, be careful. look, you know, are you wearing a wire? <laughs> no, I'm okay. I just want to know right now. No. Oh, wait, you, you know, are. You're recording this whole you're thing. You're actually being recorded. Correct, yeah, wait, so. never mind. So anyway, yeah, I'll did, talk did. anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we... Um, Grew up in New York in the 80s, and the Mets were just everything. I mean, Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez was and will always be my guy, hence the 17. Uh, I was just a baseball ah. fanatic who came from a baseball family. And um, my grandmother's from Williamsport, and uh, I consequently ended up playing up there every summer in the camp league. I ended up playing on that field. I coached on that field for years after. I was a hitting instructor up there. So baseball is always that, you know, kind of first love, first passion kind of thing. Um, and then... You know, with in, in the 80s in New York, it was all about the Mets at that time. I mean, this was like, you know, I was eight years old when the Mets won the World Series. So, and I believed they would come back and win. I was staying up late, saw the ball go through Buckner's legs. I believed. I never quit. They won. And it ruined me forever. I became an optimist my whole life. Mm. And ever since, the Mets have basically, you know, punched me in the crotch for the next, uh, I don't know, 40 years of my life. No, 30-something years of my life, I should say. Uh, so, you know, so that's been always difficult, which is, you know, great because it humbles you. Being a Mets fan humbles you. And... um you know, I was just always a baseball fan too. My grandfather, you know, we'd always be smoking the the cigarette, uh, you know, watching the game of the week, whatever it was back in the day when we had like 13 channels and stuff like that. But it was always baseball. And if it was Mets, it was Yankees, game of the week uh, on the weekend, whatever it was, it was always baseball. It was very baseball centric. Um, and it was not as big of a football family. And as I got a little older, I didn't want to root for the Jets or Giants because I was like, those teams play in Jersey. Of course, I live in Jersey yeah. now. <laughs> Irony of all ironies, right? I've lived in Jersey most of my life. Uh, but I said, ah, you know, I'm going to be, a, I think I'm going to try to root for the Bills, right? And this is a true story. And this is probably why I ended up where I am right now today. Um, we moved to New Jersey shortly after that. And this was the Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas going to the Super Bowl four years in a row stuff. And every year I would wear my Bills jersey, my, my Bills starter jacket the next day after the Super Bowl when they lost. I didn't care. I was a fan. After the first one, it was tough. All those Giant fans, oh, it was brutal. Then, you know, second year they lost again. Oh, the Redskins. This is tough, man. This is brutal. Then all of a sudden all these Cowboy fans came out of nowhere. I was like, where are the Cowboy fans? I live in New Jersey. What did what this happen? I had no idea. So back in 1994 or 93, I, uh, I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. Football is not about how much talent you have on the field. I, this is true. This is my thought process. It's like a 13-year-old kid. I said, 
This is about what kind of coaching, what kind of systems you have, and then using that talent properly. Because I'm telling you right now, there's no doubt in my mind, the Buffalo Bills were the most talented football teams ever, but they consistently were not prepared properly for those games, and they got their doors blown off. And I said, I'm go- if they don't get rid of Marvel Levy, I am done. I can't do this anymore. Four years of this, it's too much. I'm just a kid. For God's sakes, I'm just a child. And it's the one and only time my whole life I've ever jumped fandom. And I said, okay. I'm going to go wherever I think the best coach is. And of course, you're getting fed all this stuff in New Jersey. Bill Parcells is the best coach in the world, blah, blah, blah. So at the time, he goes to New England. Then they lose. And I become a New England Patriot fan. Then they lose a Super Bowl with Drew Bledsoe. And I said, it's mm-hmm. me. I'm jinxed. It's me. It's definitely me. I'm the worst. Uh, but I stuck with it through the Parcells years. I stuck through it through the Pete Carroll years. I've got my Drew Bledsoe jersey in the closet. I've been a Patriots fan since the early 90s. And uh, all, all I know is as difficult as baseball season is every year for me, once I get to August and September, I remember again what it is to feel good about myself and I get to enjoy the Patriots. And then after a Super Bowl victory, I get humbled again immediately in the spring by the Mets. So that's that's my fandom, if you can imagine. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, it's terrible. I, your whole story is terrible. I know I'm not supposed to say that to a guest, but I'm tank- well, saying Well, you just it. said it like three times. Well, just good. Here, here's four. It's terrible. Um, mainly because, Joe, I'm I'm a Mets fan. I'm from Queens, baby. I Although, here's the worst part. This is this is where you went wrong. Okay, I, you're... <laughs> It sounds like you're two years older than me. I was six during the World Series. Um, okay. You stayed up and believed they were going to come back. I was fast asleep by the time <laughs> that happened, and I fell asleep in game seven. So well, I you're do, six, so you're, I, you're allowed. <laughs> that's right. That's fair. I do not have the optimistic gene sort of in me. I'm just like, I don't really remember when they won. I have just been the Mets, and I'm from Queens, and when you're from Queens, sure. it's Mets and it's Jets because it's sort of they practice on Long Island, so you get there. So I have been given the double whammy, and I just feel like if you're going to go Mets, you got to like when your your football team becomes good, you got to jump ship to it to just a, a Metsian football team. Like you should be at really, you should be a Jets fan. Bills, you should. I suck told with you, the Bills. I had I had no allegiance in the family or or anything like that. Like I said, it was a big baseball family. Uh, my godmother actually is the one who really taught me football. She was a big football person. She actually uh, went to college um, with, uh, you know, Mike Tice and John Tice, who played in the NFL. Mike was a head yeah, coach, sure. obviously, um, with the uh, Vikings. Yep. Um, you know, her, her their sister was her college roommate, so she always used to, you know, travel with them and, like, go see games and stuff like that when they were both playing in the NFL. So I learned football in a, in a very different way than other people. And like I said, it was more just New York. But I told you, you know, there was something in me there. That just said, no, this is wrong. This is never going to get better. And I just, I just, and I look, it's the one and only time I ever jumped. And you know what? I've never jumped on any other team. I don't have any other allegiances. But the longer you do this, too, it's just, it's tough to have allegiances. I remember Tom Verducci one time talking about that, about how the more you cover sports, the more it kind of kills your fandom. And it's true to a certain degree. It really is. And, you know, in it, as much as like you and I are on a literal daily basis, it does kind of muck with you a little bit in terms of like your your fandom. I, I still very much enjoy, obviously, you know, the football side of things. And as a and as a baseball player my whole life and a baseball guy my whole life, it's kind of stunning to me that at this point in my life, I actually lean towards the football side of things a little bit more. And maybe it's just the grind of baseball as I'm getting older. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Still love baseball. But football to me right now is like my one and baseball is more of the 1A at this point for me. But it's nice to know we can commiserate about, you know, terrible Mets closers for the next, you know, few years. You and I, we can come here and complain about that. That'll be fun. We can talk about Braden Looper and Benitez and and K-Rod and all those things too. It'll be great. Oh, wonderful. Here's, I think, really what we should do is... 
once uh, fans are allowed back in games, we'll, we'll hit up a game. How about that? I'm back in the area all the time. You know, I'm in New Hampshire, but I come down to New York to visit family. One time when fans are allowed back, we'll go. If we'll the Wilpons aren't owning, I will go. If uh, no, I think there's a good, there's a good yeah. chance. And there's if there chance. is, I will be very happy. I will even let you buy me a helmet Sunday. I mean, I will take you up on that. that twist. That, uh, just so you know, I, my order is twist uh, with chocolate sprinkles. That's what I want. I'll do the cor- rainbow if they're out of the chocolate too. I'll, you know, whatever. But twist. I want the chocolate and the vanilla. And ice cream always tastes better in a helmet. Period. That's just the truth Correct. of life. Correct. I will allow that. I will allow All right, that. Good. All good. right. So you are an avid sports fan. I assume you're not. Are you growing up basically being like, I'm going to work in sports. I'm going to do something in sports. Well, I think as a kid, I wanted to be a baseball player. Uh, for sure. Like every kid wants to be an athlete pretty much when they grow up. They're like, I want to be a baseball player, I want to be a football player and all this stuff. But I was also, um, I, you know, I, it's funny, the other world I kind of grew up in was that theater world too. My parents were big theater people, not like in the theater, but they always liked, you know, culture of music, things like that. I, I was very lucky. I was very, you know, exposed to a lot of different things um, and a lot of different music and, you know, a lot of different uh, art sort of things and and I think that that's really important to you know expose your kids to a lot of different kinds of stuff so they can have a, a better perspective about the world and um I remember we moved out to Jersey before I could go out and play I always had to do my homework first but I was allowed to listen to the radio and it was right around the late 80s early 90s and it was right when Mike and the Mad Dog started yeah. on WFAN and that was my choice. If I could listen to the radio, I wanted to listen to the sports talk radio. So I would listen to them. And there was something about that, like every day doing that show. And and then I had um, I ended up going to college for uh, a conservatory acting school, actually, because I had a choice. I had a, I had a scholarship for baseball and I had more money to go to school for acting. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm 5'7". I'm probably not going to play in the major <laughs> leagues. I'm pretty good. I ain't that good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go try this acting thing out. And I worked as a professional actor for 15 years in the industry. Very, you know, again, lucky there. But got to spend some time at Oxford uh, studying Shakespeare, uh, actually, for a year and classical theater there. And I just is an amazing place to be and incredible stuff. Actually, one of my classmates there, you might know as a uh, black Panther and uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Chad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so you're so, just to be clear, I just want to make this clear. Yeah. You're a Mets and a Patriots fan and you have basically met black Panther. So I'm pretty sure you're now my son's <laughs> hero. Okay. Cause like legitimately that, that's, that's his awesome. Life. That's his life. Uh, but, go ahead. But, but here's the funny part, right? So I worked in that industry for a lot and like, not like, Oh, I'm a community theater actor. Like, uh, you know, Screen Actors Guild. I still get to vote for the Screen Actors <gasps> Guild Awards. And Do stuff. you? Like, oh yeah, sure. Oh um, my god, that's like my dream. I, I like. I'm a huge movie guy. Yeah, like, oh, oh me too, God, me Joe. Too. This so is, I, I went to conservatories. That we've never talked. Before I know this. I we really could be does. best friends all this time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so I went. I went to University of the Arts Conservatory for acting in Philadelphia. Um, it's a great school, great place. I love Philadelphia. It was so much fun. Talk about a wacky sports town that is, man. Yeah. And that that's where I discovered combat, like stage combat, which is. You know, all the stuff you see in Game of Thrones, the stuff you see in John Wick, all that stuff. Like, my school happened to have a huge program of that. It's one of only two schools in the country that had such a large program. And it was like the combination of athletics and acting for me. And then I worked for many years as a fight director and fight choreographer, um, actually, you know, along with the acting time. Uh, Even during this, like, as I was working part-time in this and raising two children here as a single parent, uh, it's – I up until two years ago, I was not full-time in fantasy. I was still – teaching every weekend, stage combat, you know, choking people up on walls and doing all that kinds of stuff and, uh, you know, knives and broadswords and swords and shields and all that stuff. And I'll tell you what, like, it's it's great fun and all that. But that was, for me, the combination of those things, right? And it's funny, I always saw, like, that that combination of, like, it's like comp- 
competitive, but it's it's also artistic. And there's also a, a kind of twinge of that here in sports because I see sports the same way. Like I know how Hamlet's going to end, but I don't know how this Super Bowl is going to end. And they all have interesting characters and they all have interesting storylines and they all have backstories. And I always see these worlds as the same. And a lot of people would think that's always crazy, but I don't. To me, you know, one is the great drama and it's all about how you execute it, even if you know what the ending's going to be. And this is all about, it's all about how you execute it. And I have no idea what the ending's going to be. And I think that's the allure for me. So I always kind of see these worlds as always the same. And, and this is performance, right? I'm here. It's a sports entertainment, as I like to call it, as a big wrestling guy that I am. This is what we do. Fantasy is sports entertainment. It's our own entertainment every week, every day, whatever it is we play that we create for ourselves. And um, it's our own little, you know, piece of to entertain ourselves to watch the games differently. And it's how we watch the game. So it's kind of a convoluted way. But at the same time, I, I hope that makes sense for you. No, it does, actually. But so you said roughly two years ago, then, is when you essentially started full time in the industry. But how do you, you know, you're doing all this? And, and <laughs> how do you start doing fantasy at all? Then how do you get into the industry whatsoever? Great question. Uh, so after working in the industry for, like I said, about 15 years or so, um, you know, a lot of regional theater, small film and television stuff, you know, things like that nature. You know, when you're like a 28-year-old character actor, as I am, there's no confusing me with Brad Pitt, okay? <laughs> I know, shocker, I get it. You know, me and Hemsworth often get confused <laughs> for each other at airports. Sure. However, it's it was it's a very weird industry like that. You know, it's different types and different periods in your life. And I would be, you know, at auditions for like Boardwalk Empire or, you know, whatever show it was. And I'd be reading for characters that were 40 years old, but I was, you know, 28 years old, 29, and you start getting frustrated with that because you know you're doing well, you know you're out reading people, but you just, you know, you don't look like that on camera. You're not that old. You don't have that life experience. Ironically, if I wanted to do all that now, I'm in that perfect vein of, of type and age and all that stuff. But uh, at that point in time, you know, I wanted other things out of life too. I wanted to have kids and, you know, I got married and I took a corporate job. It's funny, I was... I was burnt out too. The, the the lifestyle of acting is very okay. The next job and the next job and you do you're in Philadelphia for three months and now you're here and you know I was doing off Broadway play and I remember I was the lead in off Broadway show in New York area and I was I was, I was kind of miserable. I was just burnt out. I said and, he, and I, I took a hotel job on the side and all of a sudden the hotel job like took off and I like spurned it into working for a big hotel company in operations, which is crazy and like hotels never close. 24-7, 365, it's a crazy business, especially in operations, and next thing you know, a year later, I'm, like, managing a team of, like, 80 people. It's amazing how far you can get in corporate America with just a little common sense mm-hmm. and communication ability, yep. and I got to tell you, like, I, I got burnt out. Then they moved me into sales, and I handled all the sports teams. Again, I can't escape sports no matter what I do. <laughs> and I handled all the weddings and bar mitzvahs in northern New Jersey in the in this big four-diamond fancy hotel, which mm-hmm. you can imagine, Dan – that's a lot. Like that you gotta be lot. able to. Absolutely. You gotta be able to handle. You know, the, some of the folks there are very interesting. You get a <laughs> lot of personalities at some of those events, especially big high end events. Right. And I remember my first daughter was born, and uh, at that point, um, we made a choice. I was like, you know, either we pay for daycare or one of us stays home. And and I said, you know, I'm gonna be that guy who stays home. I'm gonna figure out. And that's when my acting studio that I attended in New York called me and offered me the combat job. Like within. It was weird. It was almost like fortuitous, you know? So I had been doing that for almost 10 years and I had been home with the kids working part-time, you know, since my oldest was three months old and now she's 10. And that's when I wrote the first black book, uh, which was funny. And I also started a podcast with my friend, Dan Strafford, who you probably know as well. Sure. Dan and I went to high school together. I did theater with his older brother 
And uh, so Dan and I have known each other for 20-something years. We had done a podcast. They had just announced Series XM Fantasy. We tried to get on there. They said, you guys are losers. We'll never have you on there. <laughs> he ended up backdooring his way into a job there. Got me on the show there every week as like a guest spot. The host of that show ended up leaving. They offered it to me. Again, no money. <laughs> no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All and right. I said, yeah, I'll do it. But only if you let Dan do it with me because I want to work with him as my co-host because he's my guy. And... So my first black book was something where I, I wrote for a website that was great, for a fantasy baseball website, but the guy ended up having like a fourth kid or something and shut it down. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like doing that at the side while working at the hotel because I needed something. Joe, and before, then, you, before you yeah. go on, let me just – like were you a, like a big fantasy sports player at this yeah. point? Yeah, oh, you... I was. I got okay. into fantasy sports in college, ironically. Like you think, oh, it's the acting school, but it happened to be a, a class of a lot of ex-jock kind of guys who played football and baseball in high school actually. So we used to go play football on the weekends, like full-out tackle football against kids like UPenn and kids at Temple. And they would say, oh, look, it's the art school kids. And we would whoop their ass. Like, it's not even funny. <laughs> like, we used to – and it was, and then we would all go out and, and go drinking after. It was great. Uh, we were definitely not, like, the normal art school, like, stereotype guys right. necessarily. Um, but, yeah, so we'd done fantasy baseball in college, some of us. It was my first real exposure to it. Um, as a kid, I remember though, as a huge baseball card guy, and you'll appreciate this as a Mets fan. I used to like lay out all the baseball cards with the managers of the teams yes. and I would redraft the whole league. And I created this little game uh. with the dice and stuff and things like that. And, and it was basically me wanting to be a better GM of the Mets than the actual GM. I think it was like living out that fantasy. How, so, how were, were we not like best I don't friends know. growing up? I don't man. know. It's, it like, sounds like we should have been. I mean, it's terrible. We've I missed know. out on so much time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Hey, this is what this is. <laughs> I, I'm, I, hey, you, you let me tell these stories. It's fun. I don't, I've only done this one other time on one other show ever. And yeah. it, I think it's interesting to hear like, a, you know, someone's path. I love so, it. So I'm home uh, while my daughter napped and while I would take the train rides into New York to teach combat for nine hours in a weekend back and forth i would i would start writing the black book because the one side closed another side i was writing for while i was working at the hotel on the side just to keep my sanity because i hated corporate america so much and it just was terrible but i was making good money at the time and i was trying to be quote unquote normal um which didn't take spoiler alert <laughs> um and and I and they stiffed me. I worked for them for a year. I was supposed to make X number of dollars. I ended up getting like a check for $90 at the end of the year. And I was like, okay, enough of this. I'm going to go put all my ideas in a book. And if it sells 20 copies, awesome. And there happened at the time in Amazon, it was only Kindle at the time, to be kind of an opening in that space. So I put that first black book up there. And I, I you know, I thought, ah, 20 copies. You know what? sold it was like the number one in the genre i was like this is amazing people were like hey you gonna do another one i said yes of course i will and then i started doing that and i would write on those train rides i would write during her naps and you know and then so being a stay-at-home dad then having two kids and then you know about five years ago uh my wife and i separated and i getting divorced and then i had to ramp up all those part-time things that i was doing and continuing to take care of my children and doing all that as the guy who's getting everybody off to school every day in preschool and picking everybody up. And I was the dude doing the Jimboree classes and then doing fantasy football podcasts at night. And then Sirius gave me that opportunity for that show. And I was doing, get this dude, Saturday, 10 to 1 a.m. Uh -huh. Nobody's calling you. Sometimes <laughs> I would do it three hours like by myself. I would try to get a few guests and stuff like that. It was just madness. But I would, I would, you know, this is the hustle, man. Like I would go on Friday after taking care of the kids all day. 
I would drop them off, go in to New York, teach a class, come back, go back into the morning, six more hours of combat of heavy weapons and all the stuff that I do, which is really tiring. And then I would go do the 10 to 1 a.m. shift at Sirius because I didn't have I couldn't afford the equipment. And again, I'm not getting paid at Sirius. I'm just like, it's like, you're going to get exposure. Okay, great. I want to learn. So I'm going to do it. And I worked with some great people there. And then again, you just keep hustling, keep doing that until you get good enough where they have to pay you. And you get good enough where you prove yourself, I guess, over time. And I was able to do that. But it's crazy schedule. And then I had to ramp up all those part-time things and then make them all into full-time somehow and still be here for everybody every day to make sure that I'm here for them. And, you know, I've just, my daughters are everything. They're the, the most incredible thing in the world. And they're just, you know, I'm just so proud of them. It's like the best thing I'll ever do will, will be being their dad. Oh, and, Joe. Uh, yeah. I no, mean, just that's okay, man. Look, no, I'm, I'm just grateful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful because I think I've shown them that if you work hard enough and if you don't take no for an answer enough, that yeah, eventually maybe you can get to a place where you build something good enough that it'll it'll sustain you. And I think that's that's all anybody wants at the end of the day. Like, as hard as I worked, I told you what kind of schedule I did this last week, man. Yes. And I'll tell you, like, I was doing 4.30 a.m. wake-ups, 5 a.m. radio for a week, then doing the other two the other two TV shows for, you know, it was like doing seven hours of the stuff. And my daughter asked me, are you tired? I said, I am. But it was a good day. And that's yeah. great to be able to look her in the eye and say that. So... Like I said, very lucky, man. Yeah, dude. First of all, I you know I need to reevaluate my interview skills because <laughs> you're the second person on this podcast to sort of you know get emotional about it, which I I completely get, by the way, especially you know given what your story is and everything like that. And yeah, look, that sort of thing. I mean, I, we were talking about it before last year. Um, I I. I wasn't full-time with Fancy Pros yet. That's only right, been right. Um, since the beginning of this year. And I started a, a daily baseball podcast. And I'm on the East Coast. I had to wait till every game was over. And the games are over, you know, obviously, maybe 1 a.m. my time. Then I had to figure out what I'm going to say on the podcast. Yeah, then people I had don't to... realize. They look at it and they're like, oh, you you know, right. you talk sports. You're like, yeah, there's so much more that goes into it. You, It takes so much effort to look effortless when you I do know. these things. And people don't understand that. And that's cool. That's understandable. Yeah. And there's a lot of great people, and you know this, who are great analysts who aren't great communicators. Or right. great, you know, radio personalities or, or podcast hosts. And there are great podcast hosts who aren't the best analysts. Like, why right. do you know, it's it's a weird combination of skills. And um, it takes, it just, it's like everything else. You know, it's like everything looks easy until you start to put the work in. And you realize, geez, what does it take? And, and you know, sometimes it takes a lot more than you realize. And, you know, I, I think I only got emotional for that second there because it kind of like, you start to have perspective. And you're like, wow, God, I it's been a crazy ride and I haven't really thought about it much lately. So I yeah. guess, and 2020 has been weird. Yeah. It's been a weird year and I'm very lucky to still have a job here. Oh and, yeah. And I created my own business at the end of the day. I created black book because I thought I could offer people something unique and different. That was useful. That was applicable and I'm proud of it. And then I, it became something where I could employ other people, not a lot, but something that they could say, Hey, yeah, I'm getting paid in this industry. Cause I know this industry can take advantage of that. Right. Cause everybody wants to do it and everyone thinks it's easy. So they don't have to pay you to do it. And eventually you have to work yourself up into a point where they can't deny you. And if that's not the case, then you have to go make your own. And I feel like that's what I did. And I'm proud of that. Like I'm proud of, of what black book is. And I'm proud that like, I'm throwing a, you know, X number of dollars at certain people for their contributions every year. And they're excited to be a part of it because they feel like they have a piece of it too. And that's really cool for me. The Black Book, 
I'm not. I mean, you're already a guest on this podcast. I don't need to butter you up uh, anymore. The well, Black you books. know what? It would be nice though. Why don't you okay. do it? You know, like, fine. Geez, you um, know, like, the Black yeah. Book's awesome, <laughs> and you do it for baseball and football. Yeah, right. Correct. I mean, that's the thing. It's, yeah, we even did hockey last year. Chris Meany. Uh, I, I'm what I'm trying to do is spurn off other versions of uh, it, where I let other folks take the reins and that was a big plan for 2020 that obviously got punched in the gut right you know but i'm trying to spurn off other versions of it now where other people can kind of spearhead it and then use it to supplement their incomes as like yeah i get a kickback from it you know but at the same time it's it's theirs to manage it's their thing and and you know and then you know and chris is one of my best friends in the industry another guy that like you know hundreds of shows with Chris, you know, yeah. over the years. We worked together at Fantasy Network. We worked together, um, you know, at Line Star doing shows and just a you, you meet these amazing people sometimes in this industry. You can meet the worst people, mm-hmm. but you can also meet the most amazing people that become like family to you. Yep. And you go through these ups and downs and he, you know, got laid off this year at the athletic and thank goodness, you know, FTN picked yep. him up because there's not a better guy at like who does all four sports as well as that guy? I Nobody. Know. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, no, Chris, he's great. He really is great. I mean, he's been a guest on our podcast, obviously. He's fantastic. And that is one thing, by the way, very briefly that I want to touch on. It is hard. I, and obviously, there are plenty of people who do who do just one sport right. and they do it fantastic and no negative whatsoever. That is something. And again, I've only been full time here for, you know, six months or whatever it is. Right. So I had a regular job, but it, it was always difficult for me to be doing baseball and football at the same time. The fact that Chris literally <laughs> does all four sports is like mind-boggling, you know what I'm and saying? And well. Yes. And well, and he's good on air and he's good on camera and and he is just a delight. You know, I guess it's cuz he's Canadian. You know, I guess you know they're just the as I always like to refer to him, you're the better Americans. That's what you are <laughs> those oh Canadians. Oh They'll boy. get you every time. Yeah. Uh but not I and and that's the thing like I'm I'm trying to work in a place where I can spurn that off and say okay, that's your baby now. You go roll with this. Mm-hmm. And and you know, same thing with my buddy Scott Bogman who, you know, and and Welsh who do in this league. You know, they do Black Book with me. We've done hundreds of shows. Oh, yeah. They're also great, by the and, way. That and would. that podcast, people are like, oh, I love you guys. You guys make me laugh. I don't even like baseball. I just listen for football, but I listen during baseball because you guys are funny and, and you have such a great rapport. They are like my brothers. And for five years, we've been, you know, working together. We've never all been in the same room together. I've never been in a room with the two of them. It's crazy what this industry does sometimes. But you can end up building these amazing relationships. And I and I think that's a thing. Like when we step back and have more perspective, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the negative stories. But at the same time, it's good to say, hey, look at this. Look at these positive things that can come out of this environment, this community. It's a wacky community at times. But you know what? There's also some good, too. So let's not always just dwell on the negative or, you know, dwell on the hate that's out there about stuff. Let's, let's try to find some positives because there are a lot more than people realize. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. So let's just finish up with this. You've already, like probably answered this question 17 times but if you're gonna <laughs> offer like you know a lot of people listening to this they just like to know how their favorite personalities because they're just oh i love this guy let me let me hear his story a lot of people though and i get a lot of emails about this are they want to break in to the fantasy industry so you know they, they like to hear these stories because it you know in some semblance gives them a little bit of a roadmap to the extent they want to craft their own path if you could offer really just i guess make it one piece of advice or the biggest piece of advice you could offer to somebody who's trying to break into this industry what would it be oh, that's a that's a good question um uh, my advice would be to them first of all get ready to work this is not a cakewalk you might think it is it is not you know it looks like fun and it is fun when you're doing it 
but it's also work and you have to understand that and and be willing to make sacrifices for it and i've made plenty over my lifetime um i would also say uh make sure that you treat other people well because uh, like uh, for instance you know i told that story about Sirius and how that show ended up happening right it's because my relationship with dan and then him saying hey this guy's really good put him on the show and then me getting offered that show just a year later as my own show and me saying, yeah, I'll do it, but Dan is my co-host, and I'm not doing it unless that guy's working with me. It's it's this constant, like, pulling each other along, and you have to realize that it's like every other job in every other sphere. It's, you know, you can't do it by yourself. You need people to to, to pull you up and, and give you opportunities, and you need to respect them. And then, you know, at some point in time, like, there's been people that I've had on shows that have blown up and gotten, you know, way more Twitter followers than me, and I'm not jealous of that. I'm that's awesome. Like, I'm happy for them. It's it's understanding there's room for more than one voice, too, in this community. And it's the whole point. The whole point is it's hearing all these different voices, getting all this information, getting all this entertainment, and then making your own decisions. And I think at the end of the day, if if you really love it, you continue to do it. And I've been let go from a lot of places. Uh, I worked for FanDuel before they closed up shop, and I thought that was going to be my ticket, man. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, riding high in 2015. They were paying me a lot of money, and then that went south. (laughs) Other places have gone south. I've been let go from Fantasy Network, which is SportsGrid now, rehired there, and nothing that I did wrong. It's just we got rid of all the independent contractors. It's just business. These things happen. I I took it the right way. I always did quality work. What happens a year later? They they came back to me and said, hey – I said we'd come back to you when we had something, and we do. We got a TV show for you at the Meadowlands hosting pregame NFL. I mean, does it get better than that? Nope. I'm at the Meadowlands every Sunday hosting pregame NFL, and this was a company that could let me go a year before. But you handle things with dignity and grace, and you realize that there is, uh, you know, that you cannot do anything alone. No matter what you think it is, you have to treat everybody with respect, no matter if it's the producer of the show, if it's the lowest end PA on the show, whatever it is. If you treat everybody the same, you don't know eventually who ends up in what spot and how that impacts you potentially positively or negatively. Yeah. On my Twitter profile, um, it ends with, you know, uh, I'm editor in chief of Fantasy Press, blah, 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 blah. And it ends you know, why with. Why don't you mention that another couple times? Um, did you know, by the way, that I'm editor in chief? Hey, everybody. Dan's a. Dan's a you and guys betting know? pros. Don't forget betting pros, okay? It's oh, not yeah. just Fantasy Pros, it's both. So, so get on that. Um, <laughs> it ends with there is no downside to being kind. Um, because no. that is that is something that I've right. always felt. My father used to have the saying where it would he always said, show your friendship first, which was, I think, his way of basically saying, be kind to people um, because you should be kind to people, not because necessarily you're like, I'm going to be kind to this person because I think maybe it will benefit me professionally in the right. future or something like that. Be a good person. Like, and and considering what we talked about at the start of the show, like that's like the bigger lesson that you can take away. Be a good person. And this community, yes, obviously with certain exceptions, is incredible. The fantasy community mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. It's a weird thing where in some way everybody's obviously in competition with one another because you know everybody wants you know fans to read their stuff and and subscribe to them but it really is not you know people don't act that way we're we're a community we we seek to prop each other up as opposed to get ahead and be kind if you're you're looking it seems like it's so much more work to be and and look maybe maybe i've had it easier than most i've had my share of you know negative people and things like that at times and i've worked with some people too that you're like man i i'm just trying to get through the day 
because this guy is just an egomaniac or this. Right. See, I, I always took the like the line of like it's it's a collaboration. Some people aren't like that. Some people are egomaniac people. They're the star. They're this. And I've had to work in those environments in the acting world. <laughs> and in, surprisingly in this world more than I could tell you. And then you work in other environments where it's brilliant and 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 it's collaborative and and those are the shows you can always tell just work better on a different level and I think that's really important uh, to understand as well. Is like that if you create a good environment, chances are the product gets better too for the most part. Right. Yeah. I mean, really, it's I, I think it's great advice. You know, it, the only other thing I hear and it's something that you and I talked about a bit is also authenticity. Right. You are yeah. you come on this show and you come <laughs> on every show and it is just like this is Joe. This is everything that is. I mean, Joe, we talked that, like a half hour before. Is it? A, it's probably not a very different conversation. Right. That's exactly right. We could have <laughs> recorded that conversation and could have just put it on the pod and be like, hello, this is the pod because you are who you are, I am who I am, that really is, don't be somebody yeah. who you think people want to listen, be yourself. And, and because I, I guarantee you, people who consume this content will understand that and will realize yeah. that and will get it. And that and there's is a why... certain, I think you'd agree, Dan, there's like a certain, like, it's like us turned up to 11, mm -hmm. you know, when we're on air doing sure. something, it's us turned up like a, an extra notch. But if you're authentic in the personality, it's, it's again, what gets people over in the wrestling world too. It's like the better characters are always the people that are just a little bit more of an extension of their actual personality. Right. And, and I got to say, I, I am very lucky too. For the most part, I have worked with a lot of great people. And um, also a lot of people do know my background. So, uh, you know, in terms of like what I used to do. So they are less apt to, you know, try to want to piss me off, which is great. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of a fear factor there, which I think is healthy. And good because I am the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, if you need to, we can. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I got your back then. To be clear, I'm only, agreeing, <laughs> I'm only agreeing that you're the nicest guy in the world because I am scared to piss you off you now. Should be like scared. you said, so I'm you should terrified. Be scared right okay. Now. All right. That's one of so <laughs> I never start a fight, Dan, but I'll finish it. <laughs> oh, the best. Okay. So uh, before we get into our little final, uh, final segment here, I want to remind everybody we are giving away a signed Mike Evans jersey. The contest is still running through cool. August. All you got to do to be entered is to leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of it to gamechangers at fantasybros.com. Again, running through the end of August. Sign Mike Evans' jersey. It's going to be great. All right, let's move on here to our final segment. I call it the Blitz. It's 10 questions, especially designed for you. You have already called them dumb, even though you don't know them. So I'm very I upset didn't call them. No, 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 no. You said, I'm going to ask you like dumb questions. And I said, okay, good. And I'll finally have an idea of how stupid I am. <laughs> and now you're turning it on me. So no, 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 no. Nice try there, Harris. All right, no, whatever. Whatever All right, All right, just All right. the first one's a physics question. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, we can look quantum physics right. if you want. I'm a very, I'm a learned man i think we've established <laughs> I, I, look, that. you studied at oxford you were doing shakespearean stuff my goodness I you're did. out of my league okay let's start uh, all right let's get started with the blitz number one uh -huh. what's the best sports moment that you've ever seen live like at a live event oh huh, that's a good one live it's tough it's not an easy one that pops off the top of your head I, <sighs> i'll tell you mine so i will, go I will ahead. Give you time I, i've to got think two about it. but i'm trying to decide so go ahead okay yeah so even though it's a losing uh game um i was at game seven of the nlcs in 2006 or whatever it was and it was the Andy chavez catch the over the oh, wall yeah oh, over. Oh, the game Carl's obviously Beltran's ended knees terribly because i mean why wouldn't you why wouldn't you try to swing the bat on three two it, you know? uh, I, uh, but <sighs> anyway it was uh that moment of that catch especially because i was like well this they're gonna win this game oh yeah now, oh, we all thought so that was the, that was the momentum changer correct and just like the the craziness of the crowd like that you know to be i don't have any great sports moments i mean i'm Mets well you're a mets fan 
fan. Yeah. Jets. And uh, luckily, and the latter Don't part of my life, I had a lot more thanks yeah. to New England. So that was yeah. great. All right. Well, all right, Joe. Go ahead. What do you want? I've solved enough. Uh, I would say it's probably uh, it's it's I want to say it was my birthday or the day after or day before 1988. I was at the game where they clinched with Ron Darling, you know, the check swing Lance yeah. Parish 1988. So we were in the back row of the Loge and Shea Stadium, which you can appreciate mm-hmm. uh, where like the field cut used to cut off because it was such yeah. a poorly designed Correct. stadium. Oh, so worst. like you could only you could kind of see. Whoever was playing center field, only if they were playing shallow. Otherwise, you had to cut like kneel down. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst because you're in the very back row. But I remember as a kid, like that moment, and it just so happened to be there. And you know, I remember the stadium shaking. And as a kid, you're like, oh my god, like what's right. happening? Like you never felt that before as an adult. You know, it's okay. But as a kid, I was I was equal parts excited and terrified. <laughs> like what's going on? Oh yep. my god, we're gonna die. Yeah. Uh, but that was definitely it. I remember the parking lot after the people honking their horns, the screaming. You know, it just Shea Stadium was you know a dump, but it was our dump, and I miss Correct. it quite Ugh. quite a bit. It was a dump, but it was our, was dump, our dump. Is the absolute yeah. best way to describe Shea. Yeah. So 100%. that that would be that would be my number one. Terrible, there too. terrible I miss, stadium. Yeah. But oh. tons of affection for it. Ah, it's tons of character. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with New Yankee Stadium and Old Yankee Stadium. Like, New Yankee Stadium to me is a museum where right. they play baseball. And Old Yankee Stadium was a ferocious, intimidating, right. dirty, disgusting, amazing building to watch a baseball game in. Especially, like, if you were there for Yankee Red Sox, which I was a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was crazy. It was so yeah. much fun, man. But yeah. that's just all gone now. Well, that is uh, – it's a Mets moment, so I'm clearly marking it correct. Um, oh, so that's, oh, that's right. I forgot. There's yeah, I actually in, score you. Oh, I, yeah, I score you. It's, it's correct. Right. That's one fine. for one. Here well. we go. Nine more. Well. All right. Number two, Joe. Uh, who's going to play you in the eventual movie that they're going to make about your life? Oh gosh! Oh, I actually man. have well, somebody Chris in mind. For Clearly, this. I think we established that, it was Chris Hemsworth, right? That we get. Well, all right, is that going to be your answer? No, you <laughs> no, be no it's not going to be my answer. Uh, who's going to play me? Wow, that's that's interesting. I would say me because of my acting background. Uh-huh, so how's right. that? I'm going to play myself in the all film. Right. There you well, go. then I'm not going to go to watch it. I was thinking Vin <laughs> Diesel. By the way, Vin Diesel. <laughs> I'm I mean, too that, short. That just, I'm that too just... short. I, the, yeah, the arms are but, okay, but the, I'm too short. Vin I mean, Diesel's they weird. made like um, I, we're watch, I'm watching like the Marvel movies with my kid, and and they made whoever the guy is. God, why can't I remember his name? Who plays well, Captain America? Mm-hmm. You know, they oh CG- yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah, they yeah, Chris, they yeah. made CGI. Chris there Evans looked like right, a tiny so little man. They could, All right, I'll take, I'll take. That's fine. That's fine. That's good. But you I'll know what? I would get the furious. I would get the correct answer there. You said yourself, so I have to mark that wrong because there's no that's way fair. you're already you're a you're a professional fantasy sports analyst, man. We're not. That's we're not true. Now I am. So yes, correct. I will accept my fate. Okay, um, so one number, for one. So that I'm gonna mark that incorrect. Joe, that's fine. Number three. What's your like guilty pleasure food? You say you've been dieting food? for like four weeks. You get a cheat day. What what's like the go to food? What's what's on the menu? Uh, I'm a I'm a chocolate chip cookie guy. Like okay. I'm sorry. Like and and not the hard chocolate chip cookies. You people like the hard chocolate chip cookies. What the hell's wrong with you? I mean, come on, just stop it. Just stop. I, I, you know, I'm a dessert guy. Just generally speaking. Uh, like I, I like to always say I'm fit fat, you know, like I'm never going to be like a really skinny guy ever. Yeah. I can go out there right now. I can run five miles and I can eat a whole sleeve of Oreos and that's fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with my life. And one of my big, uh, philosophies is always eat the cookie. Someday you'll be dead. <laughs> Just eat the cookie. Enjoy life a little bit before we're all gone. But, uh, yeah, I, it's always like, a the Costco chocolate chip cookies are really good. Uh, that that's one that I would definitely put out there. Those crackling ones, I like those, especially when like they're they're fresh and they just come out. 
that's definitely one of my vices, yeah. I would say, is, is the chocolate chip cookie. Look yeah, to the market cookie. correct, especially since you avoided the hard. I mean, that you know what I mean? Ah, like, that's a hard definitely. cookie. I like what, it. What's I, by the way, you? you're, you're fit fat. I like to go with, for myself, skinny fat because I'm like a giant, but I'm like 12 pounds, but it's there's like no muscle. Yeah. It's like uh, there so really is a lot like of that fat. I got. Like it's still like I can bench over 200 still and stuff like uh-huh. that. And I'll tell you, man, that is that's the hardest part. Especially for somebody like you know, like me who you know was used to having that physical outlet every weekend for years of like I would go and I would you know teach combat and you know I got rapiers and daggers and I'm doing all this stuff and, and you know you're in there you're you're in the fights and then you're you're working with the actors and stuff and it, it was great fun to to see them get better it was like just that great joy when you see them improve and you see the scene work in the fights improve and all that stuff and uh, but it's it's crazy because like when you don't have that anymore and then you took away the gym because of quarantine too. Oh, it's terrible. Thank God I have Animal Crossing. That's the only <laughs> thing. I could tell you right now, that's the real guilty pleasure. I got my kids Animal Crossing and somehow I've ended up playing it almost as much as them even when they're not here on days. It's like it's like my quiet place. I go there, I go fishing, I chop some wood, make some yeah. crafts. It's how I'm keeping my sanity. And I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I could give a crap if anyone's the case. I love it. Well, assuming that um, you meant <laughs> sit on a bench that weighs 200 pounds, then I can also bench 200 okay, pounds. But fine. if there's anything else, I, it's probably out of my league. Okay. <laughs> um, you get you you were correct, by the way, number three. Okay, number four. Uh, congratulations, Joe. I'm granting you oh, one superpower. <laughs> Any superpower you want, you get to choose. What's your choice for superpower? That's a good one. That's a good one. Thanks, I would man. like to fly. I'm big into the flying. Of course you are. Like yeah. You know why? Because, you know, everybody who, like, does want to get into that, it seems really dangerous to do it in the little planes. Like, I'm, I'm sick of hearing the people who crash the little planes. Like, it just seems like a bad thing. And you know what? But if I could fly safely on my own, that seems pretty good to me. Awesome. I, I would like that. I, I, I need my private time sometimes. I am an only child, after all. So every now and then... You know, after a long day, sometimes it is. That's why I said I like to go on the island, quote unquote, uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like space out a little bit. I need my me time sometimes. So so fly for me, Dan. I like it. Uh, I'm going to mark that correct, especially given, look at the pandemic and the airlines and people are worried right now about exactly. sitting too close. Now you can fly wherever you want. I love Socially it. Socially uh, distant, that, safe flying. That's correct. Number three. All right. Number five. Uh, yeah. Complete the following sentence. <laughs> oh, if blank ever becomes a currency, I will be rich. <laughs> and let's keep it let, let, whatever we do uh, like, you, you know. the f word <laughs> what? oh god yeah uh, you know smart people curse all the time i don't never do it on air i never work but it's you true. Know. i never heard you curse no uh, no and i never will on air like it's some, if you ever catch a beep on one of my shows it's usually just for effect where i've like lost my mind and i've told welsh ahead of time hey i'm gonna do this Get ready. <laughs> like, okay. It's more of an effect. But no, because I, I am of the mind, too, is like if you work that way and you're really not funny, like you got to make people yeah. laugh. Other, like and, I, and again, I am not above it. I'm not super cool. Like, no, but definitely that. It, I, I, I think definitely. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll mark that correct. And I will also ask our producer to randomly bleep things. Yeah, throughout this episode So people can think most that of it. it just for yeah, fun. it's fine. Um, <clears throat> number six, you have a time machine that can take you to any time past or present. Where do you want to go? Hmm. That's you can a good pick one like a specific date, a time, or if you just want to go to the random like, I don't know, I'm Doc from Back to the Future. I'm going ahead 30 I need years. my gigawatts. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding, right? Like if I, you could go back, wouldn't you want to go back to like November 5th, 1955? <laughs> so you could like see whether or not something <laughs> Who wouldn't? happened back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I would join the band too. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I think for me is one of two things. I, w- I would love to, you know, I, I grew up in that, you know, real authentic Italian 
you know, world and, and, you know, where everybody lived, you know, closer, like my grandmother lived, you know, a couple blocks one way. And then my cousins lived another spot and the other, like everybody's always together. I'd love to go back there for a day in that environment because that's such a thing you don't get nowadays. Mm-hmm. Everyone's all spread out and, you know, you experience it as a kid, but you don't appreciate it. That would be fun. But like historically, I like the twenties. I like the fedoras and the hats right? and the suits. I, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, almost like half gangster anyway, I would think. So I feel like I'm a fedora kind of guy. Man. So that I would go into the 20s around there. You before totally the depression. Fit in. You totally uh, fit in yeah. with the zoot suit, man. Like, uh, zoot suit oh, has your name on yeah. it. Yeah, that's correct. You're right. right. I'm giving you a correct you right Cufflinks. There. Can... <laughs> Cufflinks make the man. You want to wear a suit? Wear cufflinks. Be a big boy. Okay? Uh, I love it. You're getting People are getting so much great They're advice on the show. They're getting a lot they... more of me than they expected. <laughs> right. I apologize in advance, everyone. All right. Next up, uh, you can visit any city you want. Right now, like you can take a vacation any place you really want to go, city or place, whatever you want. Uh, you know, it can be like a tropical vacation. Sure. It can oh, be yeah, like a whatever. It. Where are you going? Oh, Sorrento. It's the most beautiful <sighs> place on earth. It's just gorgeous. And I've been there once. And um, you walk outside and you smell the lemon trees. It's it's a crazy thing. And you know, there's a lot of amazing places in Italy, but Sorrento is very special because it's very once again authentic. Right, that word keeps coming up because it's not touristy. Really, like if you go out at nighttime, you see the the you know the old man on the corner smoking the cigarettes, yeah. or the the people playing bocce, or you see people out with the strollers at night and things like that, and you know, and then you have the cliffs over there, which is right across from Capri, where you can you know see the islands and stuff, and that it just Italy is amazing because you could go there and you could see something that's thousands of years old, and then look another way and see the most modern thing in the world in Rome or places like that. And uh, that, that would be like, if you could transport me, I could use a week in Sorrento, like nobody's business. I just want to eat gelato and maybe smoke a cigar and hang out and take my kids around there. That would be great. I would like that. I, I, and I will take my kids, even though when you take kids and you know this, when you take them on it, it's not a vacation. It's a trip. It's a trip. And then when you get home, usually you need a vacation from the trip. You're like, I need a vacation. I need to go. Different things. Uh, that could not be more correct. I've never been to Sorrento, but I did on my wife's basically urging. We went to Italy for our honeymoon, and yeah, dude, the crazy like, oh hi, um, I we're in the most modern place that could ever be, and ooh, whoops, I just tripped over a you know oh, two thousand yeah, year old artifact. Oh, Sorry about that. And like, it's funny wherever I go because I'm just I'm kind of just conveniently ethnic looking, just generally. <laughs> Like if I go to Mexico, everyone just speaks Spanish to me automatically. If I go if I go to Italy, everyone just speaks Italian to me. And I don't speak enough of any of them to really get by, like for like more than three or four sentences. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm just a stupid American. I apologize. I'm gonna do my best here. <laughs> right. But I can read a little and stuff like that. But like it's just funny, like automatically people just see this face and they just go, Well, yeah, you're local. And that's nice. That's actually a nice little uh, little consideration. All right. Well, that's great. Well, it's certainly correct, obviously. It's a great place. <laughs> and by the way, I, I will point out you just mentioned the kids thing. When we went on uh, our honeymoon, I decided I was gonna like keep a journal. It was like a two week, you know, you know, we were corporate lawyers we we had money to burn so we we like went around all italy and i took notes and i I was reading it like i don't know like six months ago and i had forgotten like we had gone out to like a a nice dinner and there was this family there with like with their kids and their kids were like young teenagers and they were so miserable and like annoyed and like the parents just looked so annoyed and miserable like they were clearly american they were from and we were like oh god this is what it's going to be like right like we're going to think like hi we're going to go on a vacation it's going to be amazing and like you said our kid it's it's like different 
with with kids and oh, yeah. like man that's our life now like everywhere oh, yeah. we go yeah. like our kids are like why are every they? day of parenthood is interesting because every day it gets easier and harder just in yeah. different ways like when they're little they can't do as much so they're very needy you have to feed them you have to change you got all these other things every single moment of the day yeah. and then they get a little older and they can do more things and then the the hard part is they're a little older and they could do more things and, yeah. and then it's it's more of that and you know as your kids are getting older too you like you know on the, the internet and things like that and oh, have, yeah. especially now for school like they're on it more and my kids aren't big device kids, so this was like a big transition for them of like getting these Chromebooks from school and then, you know, being on YouTube more and stuff like that. So it's it's a constant barrage, and that's why I need a weekend in Sorrento. I think yes. we've established that. Well, it's a, that's why it's a correct answer. Um, Okay, number eight. Uh, Look, you're obviously have an acting background. What's the greatest movie of all time? Godfather. Uh, just is. By you the know. way, just let me make it clear, right? You, you're you not in the Godfather, obviously not. Godfather <laughs> no, 2 better than Godfather 1, right? Godfather 2, you see, better is an interesting word. As a, as a standalone film, you know, because of the whole comparison back and forth between the De Niro character and what's going on there and juxtaposing those two ideas of these two men at different times in their life in the same family and and one building this business and the other one trying to take that business into a different place and, and all that. And that that what that's what makes it such a great film. But there's something about that first one and the Brando performance and the James Conn performance and all those other things that go on there in that first one. That, uh, and, and again, it's one of those things that like if you grew up in, in those kind of places, you know the things that they're doing and the way that they talk to each other. Like, you know, you know that scene where Clemenza is, uh, is making the sauce and he's like, uh, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? If I don't see you again soon, I'm going to die. Like that whole thing. <laughs> yep. That is so spot freaking on about yeah. like how you and your cousins and people would talk and they're like they make fun of, you know that but they love you but you know they they're always giving you a hard time and stuff like that so yeah yeah for me it's it's it number one but if you want to say number two is the greater achievement in filmmaking i'm not gonna argue with that nah man nah i mean it's number one and we could talk problem, movies all a, day, we, we could talk about this would could be an entire podcast there's we, a we should gaping, do a movie show there's we'll a, a movie gaping, show one day there's a gaping hole in number two, a plot hole that nobody talks about, that nobody deals with. Not like a plot hole, but something that very clearly doesn't make sense when you dig deep What's into that? it. What, if I talk about it, Joe, it's going to be like, and we'll talk right, about I'll it. Fly, we'll, we'll have a whole show. What, yeah, the let's plot holes that podcast, Dan finds in movies. And then we'll podcast, bring it up. plot okay. holes in movies. That's I love fair. it. Um, but that's correct. Godfather, obviously. Thank you for not saying something like, I don't know, some some movie I never heard of. Okay. <laughs> number nine. Uh, let's, uh, let's briefly just talk actual fantasy. And what, by, by the way, great book. Like, oh, even better book. And the De Niro people looking for a book number right now, two go are read in the that book. book. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. The book is great. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wish I'd read the book before seeing the movie because I was like unable to even picture the characters without knowing, you know, De Niro right, right. and Pacino and everything. But regardless. Um, all right. Let's talk fantasy very quickly. What's one change that you feel like Fantasy League should make in light of the current situation? Mm, uh, that, that's a good one too. I think, um, I think fantasy baseball can struggle sometimes because we're in this more demand on demand society and the, the major league baseball is a grind. It's twice as long regular season as any other sport. Um, I do like the ideas of, you know, playing it in, in, uh, maybe formats where you play X number of games at a time. Uh, like I know my buddy Jake has that league, uh, Celia has that league where it's like 50, 50, 50, where every 50 games you redraft 
And, you know, you'd have like the winner from the first group, the winner from the second group and the winner from the third. And it's it's the tying to players and things like that and the minutia that I think it's pushing people away. I think baseball needs a little bit of a reset. Uh, what I do in my home league that actually has, you know, some of my readers over the years in it now who I've gotten to be close with and Chris Meany and other industry people, John McKechnie is in my home league. It's like some of my, my guys. It's it's funny. We 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 always did head to head points, which I always prefer to roto. I'm not a big roto guy. I play it because it's the industry standard and all sure. these expert leagues. But I prefer head to head. We've gone to all play, which is a great way of really rewarding the best team. Because even in head to head on a weekly basis, you could have a great team every week, but run up against a buzzsaw of a, a better team. And over the stretch of a long season, the all play head to head format is something that really does reward the better teams that perform well every week. It almost plays out like a hybrid of season-long slash head-to-head. And I've, we've switched over to it a couple years ago, and it has been fantastic, and everybody loves it. And we've also kind of wrapped things up here by September 1st, too, before football really kicks in, because then people start to kind of lose that a little bit. So, right. um, And I would also like to see Daily Fantasy continue to uh, make more appealing options there for people and more... You know, that of those, uh, this is actually, you know, we used to sit, we sat in a meeting. This is a true story. When I worked for FanDuel back in 15, and they said, what are your ideas for, well, what could we do, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I have an idea. I said, it would be great if you could just play it like a regular league anywhere else with my 12 friends. And every week we just had new lineups and every week we just played each other. And then the money just got pushed around. You take out bad trades. You take out any animosity. You have everybody playing all 17 weeks of a season because people end up checking out because their team gets off to a bad start. They check out because people lose the injury. And I said, this is a great format. You have the ability to change rosters so frequently. Do it. Do it. And, and and just and you know you don't have to chase people for money if they don't put their money in they're not eligible to pick a team and it's funny like you're starting to see that kind of become a, more of a thing but I think that would be a great future for the fantasy industry I love that concept less tying to players more tying to each other and more tying to playing out entire seasons together as opposed to bye guys we're in the playoffs your team stink and I don't know okay. like I want everybody to play every week in a way and want to have fun. Yeah, I, I love it, actually. We're doing a, an all-play like play, uh, league ourselves. We switched to that this year because of the you know uh, pandemic and the mm-hmm. short season. It's great. I mean, I it's love fantastic. it for baseball. For um for football, one of the things we do, and I don't know if it's specific to CBS where that league is hosted, but it's like a it's like a quasi-roto, quasi-head-to-head football league where you have – it's 12 teams. You've got the top six playoffs like normal, and you have a playoff, but you also have sort of this – power ranking that cbs does where it's like you're ranking in record you're ranking in points and you're ranking in if you played every team every week and then that all gets added together and so that goes on the entire season so even if you're unlucky and you have like a bad head-to-head record in football where you lose every week unfortunately if you're beating like every other team and you're scoring a lot of points you're probably going to essentially either win or be close to winning the Roto prize. You know what I mean? So it takes yeah, no, a little yeah, bit. I'm up. in a Roto football league too. It's IDP. Yeah. And I love it. And it, I love it because you can have an injury and then you can sustain it. I remember the first year I was in it, it was the year Adrian Peterson got the oh, yeah. got suspended. And I still won that league because I had really good IDP and I had really good quarterback play and I was able to, to overcome it. But in most leagues, when you lose like your number one pick, it's hard to overcome. But if you... You have more outs, basically, to work with. All of a sudden, it becomes a little easier. Absolutely. And I'm a big super flex guy. Everybody knows that about me. Like, yes. you need to use the quarterback more. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's yeah. go. It's the most important 
position of football, the new standard should be super flex or OP or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm good with it. So I'm going to mark that correct. Okay. All right. I'm cruising here. All right. Last question here, uh, Joe. Most famous actor that you've either, I'll say, been in a scene with or if you want, just sort of interacted with, whatever you want. But you kind of alluded to it earlier, but um, I don't know who you've got. Well, uh, uh, like on camera, like on screen kind of we, thing? That, that's what um, I was thinking. But if you've got anything else, that's fine. Uh, it was really cool to, to be able to do a scene with Jerry Orbach before he passed away. Oh, um, yeah. On order. That was fun. Um, and what was that in? Were you like in law? Not in law. Yeah. Order. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what else? Um, Wait, do you have like lines in these things? Are you, <laughs> oh, can God, I get that? Some people searching for things. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Let's keep moving on. What's it? Um, <laughs> that I I got to work with like high end. I'm trying to think. It's, it's funny because like... Um, I'll tell you what, you know what's the coolest, which will just be a better story, which is I, I didn't have in this particular one, I didn't have lines or anything, but I was in, it was in part of the group of people in this one scene too. And I got to, uh, to see Samuel L. Jackson, uh, work <gasps> in front of me, which was awesome. Cause I, I just love that dude. And he's just the best dude ever. Um, he's so gotta, cool. he's gotta have the record for like the most profitable, like the actor. Wow, oh, man. Who... God, between the Marvel films and then the, the Star Wars, Star Wars right? and all this I mean, stuff. everything. But then, right? there's another great. You know, and he, it's funny because he and I actually had shared an acting teacher, um, many years distant apart, but, um, you know, so actually when I got to, you know, talk to him about it, we had like, you know, some stories and stuff like that, but that's a great guy. It's, it's great when you get to watch people like that work, you know, and you're like, you know, in some scenes, like you're able to interact with people and do stuff and look, you know, like I said, I did a lot more theater and a lot more classical theater and Shakespeare festival kind of stuff and things like that, you know, um, but at the same time, like, it's like, I've still got a lot of friends in the industry and, you know, like a friend of mine was in Green Book and we all went out to dinner actually right before the pandemic. And, you know, we got to, you know, talk about what that was like because he got to go to the Oscars and, you know, hold the award and stuff like that. It's it's great because, like, you feel like you're all in this together and I know how hard he worked. And, you know, take a guy like Sam Jackson who had all the talent in the world and had drug problems and other issues and things like that. And worked through them and became like a huge deal actor so much later on in his life and his career and, you know, it shows you like people struggle and maybe this is like kind of the button on things, you know, people struggle to make bad decisions and make bad choices. And, you know, it doesn't mean your life is over. It just means you have to learn how to reinvent yourself and learn how to uh, do a better job. So you can be the person that people want to work with instead of are afraid to work with. And I think that's maybe uh, maybe that is the best full circle we could possibly do on this show today. I guess It really, really was. Also, it's obviously correct. I mean, you can't if Samuel L. Boy, Jackson is well the answer here. to any question. It's I'm correct. definitely like, no matter what. What's your favorite color? Samuel L. Jackson. That's right. Actually. <laughs> um, so, Joe, you got nine out of ten. You obviously could have gotten ten out of ten. But I told you, I just don't really let no, people do no, that. No, no, no. I don't want to get it's too much pressure with the ten. Yeah. No, you, you take your ten. nine. Your nine are ten. good. Take my great. nine. I'm going to go home. Like Larry David would say something. No, I just uh, not, it's too much. I don't want to be perfect. Uh, just give me the nine. <laughs> give me the nine out of the ten. It's fine. It's too much. I don't want. To, I don't want all this pressure. So, Joe, uh, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for basically saying, "Nah, man, let, let's do the podcast." Like, in addition to the fact that it's almost impossible to schedule um but just <laughs> basically saying after everything that happened this uh is a good thing for us i i have immensely enjoyed it as i, I figured i would um and uh i just i want to thank you for uh you know a pushing to to say you know what let's do it let's do it it'll it'll be good for all of us to sort of have something we can joke and for you know bringing the heat like you always do man like like being authentic and being who you are you're a great guy. Thank you for all of that. Please tell Thanks, everybody, man. obviously, remind everybody about the amazing uh, 
new and improved black book, uh, <laughs> and everything where they can find you well look man first first off uh thanks for you know making it easy you know it's it's you know i i i'm always you know kind of you know surprised that people want to you know even hear me at all or tell these stories stuff like that so you create a, a good environment here where it's very comfortable and i'm glad you got to talk to liz and uh, i'm glad that we're getting uh, again more female voices out there and the, and and more you know different voices and more minority voices and that's what i'm looking for next so uh, I'm, I'm trying really hard to expand this community because knowing the community as well as I do it it's it's a lot different than people might realize and it's time to keep uh, realizing that and continue to push those those voices and I, and I hope we continue to do that here uh, and as far as me look you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Joe Pizapia 17 you can watch me all over the place on sports grid doing baseball football I'm on there fantasy sports today I'm on diamond bets I'm on the NFL pregame show I'm all over that place and uh, of course you can go out and get the fantasy black book and by the I don't know when this is airing but the week of the uh, what week is it? The 10th. Yes, that's where we are today. It's the 8th. We're recording this. So the week of the 10th, we'll be doing our fundraiser that we do every year for St. Jude's Children's Hospital because we like to try to do something good every year. We always like to pick the biggest week in sales every year that we target and try to make that our charity week. So if you are buying a black book, a piece of the proceeds will go to St. Jude's. Last year, we were able to donate a couple hundred dollars there. That's awesome. It's fantastic. Let's do some good for your football team. Let's do some good for, you know, the kids out there, especially this year. It's been a very rough year, I know, in the medical world. So let's try to help people out. And, uh, yeah, you can get that on Amazon or iTunes. But I just updated the paperback for Amazon. So that's got Cam Newton and Clyde Edwards-Alaire updated relative position value and all the other stuff that I do. So thanks again, Dan. This I'm glad we went through with this. I know it was dicey yesterday when we talked about it. And I'm glad we kind of decided to because I think it was good for everyone. I completely agree. Uh, I Again, I really uh, appreciate you coming on. And like I said at the start of the show, this was our first podcast together. I will <laughs> guarantee <laughs> all downhill last, from here. Not not our last podcast together. So it's just all really downhill, all downhill from here. Thanks. Buddy. I appreciate <laughs> it. too. Likewise. All right. I just do want to remind everybody uh, that we are giving away that signed Mike Evans jersey. Just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of it to Game Changers at fantasypros.com. We will be back next week, I hope. Obviously, there's some scheduling issues, as you know, uh, but with another guest, and we'll do it all again. Thanks for listening.